3: Welcome in to another edition of the 5 Reasons Podcast. My name is Chris Whittingham. Joined, as always... By Ethan Skolnick, we are of course part of the Five Reasons Sports Network, which have, which covers all of South Florida sports. We have Miami Heat beat now into off season mode. They'll be uh, tracking the NBA lottery, the NBA draft. Now, at the Heat, have a lottery pick entering this year, and of course debriefing from the season and having plenty of fun as well, talking about the full breadth of the NBA. Uh, three yards per carry, going strong during the NFL draft season. It is kind of funny, uh, Ethan, that over the weekend there was the coin toss. Uh, for for the uh, NBA lottery and it has now been revealed that the Florida Panthers, Miami Dolphins and Miami Heat are all picking at 13. And I maybe this could be a, an idea for our for our website com. the symmetry of a team picking 13th is kind of the worst place you want to be. And all of our teams are there. Uh, but uh, but I, I kind of discovered that with the Panthers over the weekend.
4: Yeah. Except the Marlins. They're not going to be there. right. They're going to be picking pretty, number one. Yeah. That's a, that's a pretty good, they're just going to keep throwing uh and and Chen out there. I mean, every day uh, just to make sure he's, he's going to, he's going to pitch in 120 games this season <laughs> uh, ju- just to make sure that they yes. lose them. Like they were, unfortunately for them, on their way to potentially winning a series against the vaunted Philadelphia Phillies, taking them to 13 innings today in a 1-1 game, and uh, and then they threw Chen in and and you knew they were going to lose, and he gave up what uh, three three home runs there, a couple of home runs, a home run, triple home run, I guess it was. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it's it's it, it ain't great, but uh, but yeah, no, that's where we are as a South Florida sports market. It's a great time to start a, start a sports network. Uh, can't get any worse. <laughs> And we, we will have coverage. I mean, I feel like Chris. That's all we're gonna do is just host draft parties. Like yeah. Just
3: draft parties. We, we were thinking about hosting an NBA dra- uh, draft lottery par- uh, party. We figure it couldn't really go worse than. I mean, the, the worst thing that can happen is the Heat fall from thirteen to fourteen because whoever I think Sacramento finished with the fourteenth best lottery odds after the coin toss, uh, they they end up with uh, a top four pick and Miami moves down one spot. That's the worst. Why don't we have a lottery party? Because what's the worst that can happen? But uh, yeah, but, but so, we so, will be
4: blamed for it though. For no- <laughs>
3: <laughs> South Florida sports we're picking 13th but uh, we wanted to do this episode because we were both at the Pat Riley press conference on Saturday afternoon. Uh, we thought it would be on Monday but uh, the Heat call us in on a Saturday so of course uh, we are there and uh, so we want to kind of talk about our biggest takeaways from that press conference and I'll, I'll go ahead and start and by the way uh, if you want to check out the full breadth of everything he had to say check it out at FiveReasonSports.com. Ethan you uh, aggregated all of your tweets and uh, you can check out everything that was said that was meaningful there but um, I want to start with my biggest takeaway and that was an answer uh, he gave to a question uh, to Ira Winderman there was a bit of a spat between the two of them there was kind of an obsession so uh, Riley accused Ira of being obsessed with money and contracts and I think that's an incorrect accusation I think it's perfectly fair uh, to be obsessed with 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 the Heat's cap sheet at the moment. But um, he said, I'm going to now say something to you that perhaps you haven't heard before. When we were negotiating with Gordon Hayward, we told James Johnson and Deion Waiters that if, and I'm paraphrasing, this isn't a direct quote, but it is very much what he said. He said that if we get Gordon Hayward, Deion Waiters, and James Johnson, you will get two years of a contract. But if we don't get Gordon Hayward, and this is on July 1, he says to James Johnson and Deion Waiters on July 1, because he didn't want to lose them to other teams, and he said that he knew other teams were providing offers. He said that on the first day of free agency, four year deals, James Johnson, Deion Waiters locked in, and my mouth was hanging open at the admission. And, and his rationale was we need, we wanted to keep that 30 11 team together. And unfortunately, we ran out of time to ask questions because that would have been uh, my follow up is so. You guys really believed in 30-11, didn't you? And, mm-hmm. and I think that's kind of my biggest takeaway is that, first off, Gordon Hayward not choosing to come to Miami set off a, a series of rather unfortunate events, but also the organization believed in it and they decided they were going to come back with James Johnson and Deion Waiters no matter what, and I'm just shocked by that.
4: Well, I, I think there was frustration there, right? And so, look, I, I've dug into this a little bit more over the past 24 hours since Pat's press conference. I have some clarification. On some things doesn't necessarily mean that I, you know, support the organization's spin on certain things. Some things I do understand a little bit better, and, and I'll try to speak to that during the course of the pod. But I think what happened is that 30 and 11 became um, the backstop. Essentially, it was, OK, we're going to do what we do which is go after the big fish. And that's, look, that's what we appreciate the heat for, right? They go for it. They get in the room. And again, that's my problem with them now is that they can't get in the room this summer, but that they've typically been able to get in the room somehow, some way. LaMarcus Aldridge, there was no chance he was coming to Miami, right? On a one-year mid-level exception (laughs) deal. Like, why was he going to do that? But Pat got a meeting with him, right? And he almost pulled it off. There was no reason that Durant ever should have considered the Miami Heat when when he's looking at you know either staying in Oklahoma City with a team that was basically one game uh, you know for potentially going to the finals or going to play with Curry okay and and uh, and Draymond and Clay and winning a, a guaranteed championship there was no reason he should have considered Miami but he did there was no reason that Gordon Hayward really should have looked seriously at Miami look he's not he's not a Miami guy. Okay, his college coach was in Boston, but this is what the Heat typically is able to do. They're able to get in the room, and that's much to their credit. And I think when they struck out on some of these, it was, okay. the fallback option is we'll bring back a team that had some success in the second half of the year. I think what they miscalculated... uh, a few different things and the money does play into this and look i you know i i have some fun with ira but i thought pat was a little unfair to ira uh, in the in that press conference i mean particularly uh then praising sarah sanders and calling him jim costa i thought that was all a bit much but look um uh, the way that i look at it chris is they they viewed 30 and 11 from the prism of we have players who are playing hard for us came together as a team now it came together as a team as I think some of them even acknowledged in part because of the low expectations they were look they they were a terrible team in the first half of the season terrible and so they there wasn't really a lot of pressure on them and then they just sort of caught lightning in a bottle and I think that they they sort of They hyped that too much, believed in it too much. I think in retrospect, they see it differently now, but I don't think they did at the time. And their thing was, if we can't get Hayward, if we can't get that lead piece, let's bring back something that was reasonably successful. Now, with that being said, I'm not going to support the four-year deals. I never have. Um, You know, I know Pat said there was another deal out. He said that there was another deal out there for him. I don't know what that was was it Utah? Because I know that the jazz had some interest, but how did he know on say July 1st? that There was a, you know, a deal of that length Dion. I've never heard that there was a deal of that length. Um, So look, they can, they can talk now about how, you know, we didn't expect JJ to get hurt and playing with a sports hernia. We didn't expect Dion to sort of get himself out of shape. I thought to me, and we'll get to it. To me, the most interesting thing in the press conference was Pat following up on Spo. you know, calling out Dion waiters publicly again. Okay. Which uh, again is, is sort of the position the organization's in now, which they don't do a lot of that, particularly Spode never does it. Pat does do it at times, but to be in that spot that they have to sort of try to reach Dion through the press at this point to get him into the kind of shape that they feel he needs to be in to be successful. But I just think, I think they overestimated it. Um, When I've talked to people inside the organization, one of the things I've gotten Chris is that they didn't really know that they could be in the room in 2020 anyway. Uh, Because basically if you go back to the beginning of this, they put together a team when they made the trade for Goran Dragic. And on that same day, Chris Bosh, you know, was in the hospital. Okay. Later that day. But when they made the trade for Goran Dragic and then they decided to max Hassan, they basically, the way that they viewed it was they were on a different track at that point anyway. That even though they weren't keeping Dwayne long term, that they were on a track where basically they were not going to have a lot of cap flexibility in 2020 regardless. And so I think that played into some of the decisions that they made but you know how i feel about the james johnson deal you know how i feel about you know how good this organization is at developing derrick jones juniors i thought it was interesting chris two of the six players that both spo and riley praised okay it was the four young guys that they've already kind of developed right yeah. you know derrick jones junior added to the three kids they drafted and then it was yante maiten and duncan robinson like they're going to do they feel they're going to do it again chris like they feel like they've got two more guys that are going to be their next magruder next anthony they're carter good at next possibly next good Mike at this james now. And, and right, and that's my frustration with the four-year contract for James Johnson.
3: No, and and that's t- totally valid, and they're, it's what they're good at now. They develop players, and, and we've talked about this before. But I mean, I'm watching the playoffs, and Montrezl Harrell is having a huge impact for the Clippers. He's on two years, twelve million. So I, I mean. I understand what they're saying, which is really, I mean, we talk about a bad summer of 2017, but it really is the moves in 2015-16 that sent them on their current track. As you mentioned, trading for Goran Dragic, or or was that 2014-15? But either way, that two-year period uh, where you trade for Goran Dragic and you have to, after giving up two unprotected first-round picks, um, then sign him to a long-term deal so you're spending a lot of money there um you're spending a lot of money on Hassan Whiteside you're spending a lot of money on Tyler Johnson although we can certainly uh, question the merits of that move but really I'm not concerned about having cap space in 27 2020 I'm having I'm concerned about having cap space in 2019 and I think that they can be a pretty they could have a route right they could have a route to cap space this summer if they didn't do Johnson Olinick, and Waiters and they decided to keep going. And, and I think I'm surprised that Pat Riley basically acknowledged that he was weary of the room, that maybe mm. the organization was weary of bringing a whole new group of players in. We just went 11-30, and 30 and we're not going to do that again. We're not going to start from scratch and bring in this whole new cast of role players to try and go again. Uh, we're not going to try and be in the free agent rooms again. He said we wanted to embark on a two- or three-year plan, and that two- or three-year plan has kind of become a four-year plan with these long-term deals that they signed these guys to. And maybe they thought we can ultimately have the out of trading them, but he's been wrong. He's been wrong because, and and as much as he said uh, he had to go at Barry Jackson as well, because Barry used the word obstacles uh, to describe their route to their next superstar, he said, "I don't view it as obstacles." Well, clearly they are because they haven't done anything in a year. They haven't done anything in a year other than get off of luxury tax, and so they are obstacles. But for me, looking at this summer, and again, it's so frustrating watching Kawhi Leonard play well in the postseason. Kevin Durant's going to be available. Obviously, you know, maybe it looked like he was going to be on his way to New York, but maybe he saw Miami as that opportunity if it was available. Um, Just all – Jimmy Butler is a free agent. And by the way, I really liked his performance for Philly on Saturday. I I don't know why he's all of a sudden being written off as a top-quality player, not to lead you to a championship, but a a, a piece, right? Um, There there are all these free agents out there this summer – And if we're saying that James Johnson and Deion Waiters would have taken two-year deals if Gordon Hayward had signed here, then, I mean, those are the two-year deals that you should be signing, whether it's with them or with other players. For Miami and Pat Riley, after giving up first-round picks to Goran Dragic, after giving up a lot of cap space, after not really having tradable players or picks— the the route their next route is free agency it's always free agency for them and so the fact that they've taken themselves out of it um, again we've talked about it a million times but basically to seek some stability to seek some comfort in the aftermath of trying and failing I, I almost wonder if it's bruised egos uh, in in that organization for failing on the big free agent and, and I don't think anyone was particularly blaming Miami for not getting Gordon Hayward or Durant as you said given the given the situations that they ended up going to but I I almost wonder if it was, it's bruised egos and we're going to settle down for a little bit uh, and maybe not try and play this high-risk game of going in for agency. And as we've said a million times, I think they aired.
4: We'll get back to our episode here in a second. The first one to tell you about a great new sponsor of the five reasons sports network, and that is shipyourcarnow.com. These guys can move any car, boat, RV, motorcycle, or equipment anywhere you need worldwide. You have a business and need to ship freight or machinery, call them. College moves, new car, used car, buying the toy you've looked at for a while, call them. These guys can ship it all, so give them a call. Here's the number, 1-800-264-4644. That's 1-800-264-4644, or visit shipyourcarnow.com backslash five reasons. Also make sure to mention, Five reasons on the phone. I wish, look, I wish they'd they'd had this when I was going to college. This would have been great for me. I needed to get my car down from Baltimore to Florida. I ended up taking the auto train. You don't want to take the auto train. Ship your car, fly. No job too big or too small. Ship your car now. Moves it all. Before I get into a lot of the specifics here, we're going to go again through some of the tweets that I I put out, like 40 tweets that day, and so I'm I'm going through it as we're speaking. Uh, Just a general sort of big picture thought on Riley's press conference. Um, It was confusing to me uh, because there were times where he was really definitive and there were times that he was really unclear. There were times that he took all the responsibility, and there were other times that there were some excuses, and then he kept saying, "This is not an excuse." I mean, that <laughs> happened like five or six different it, times. It, it right? was out
3: of the it was out of the Eric Spolster playbook of, uh, "Please don't find me. I'm not going to criticize the rest but let me criticize the refs. let me criticize the refs." <laughs> right, right, right. It, it
4: was it was it was an. I would say this. It was kind of an odd um performance. I do want to get this out of the way. The only question that I asked was about the swirl about Pat going to Los Angeles and, and did get Pat to say, you know, about staying in Miami the rest of his career. Absolutely. So at least that's definitive at this point, I wanted to, not that I want to save in him, but I, I did want to get him on the record sure. with that. And, and now, now he's on the record. And, and I, my big picture takeaway on that is, I mean, he's here for the long haul. Like this is, I mean, he was not talking about a guy who is going to Malibu permanently. He was talking about a guy who's going to Malibu with 12 notebooks for the summer, mm. but he's coming back. And not only is he coming back, but I think he's planning on coming back for multiple years here. So I, I don't think there's going to be a great transition in the front office anytime soon. And this comes, we're taping this, as the Lakers have asked for permission to talk to Juan Howard. So there, there are some pieces that may move under his feet, but he's clearly planning those feet here uh for a while so that's big picture now let me go through some of the specifics on this stuff um you know i the thing about uh god there's so much so much to delve into here um he talked about he went back to the big three right he had this quote i thought was interesting he says we're gonna figure it out whether you believe me or not we're right at the launching pad right now it took us a couple of years to pay back our student debt or loans And then he kind of went into this riff about borrowing to get the big three with picks and money. And we know the situation. Look, the Heat have kind of been screwed by the rules like a million times. Okay, like I do feel like the league is legislated against them. All right. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's it's certainly the big three or the CBA is a reaction to the big three. Correct. I mean, sometimes on purpose, and sometimes by accident. But if you go back to, you know, the sign and trades they did with the big three, remember, they had to give them the they gave them the six years, but gave them the fourth year opt out, which ended up being the reason they lost LeBron and then had to, you know, max out Bosch. Right. And then not only that, but then pissed off Dwayne. So like it was bad all three ways. Right. And they had to do that uh, and to do it as sign and trades. And to do that, they had to give away four first round picks. Okay. So that was legislated against him. The Tyler Johnson contract was just bad luck in the sense that that rule has been changed since. Like the contract the Nets signed the uh, Tyler to. Uh, which which the Heat ended up matching, you know, where the cap space is counted differently for the Nets than it was for the Heat. Like that's been changed, okay? In reaction, I and mean, the Heat raised to think about that, and it's been changed, but it was too late for them. So there have been some things that have broken against them. Bosch broke against them big time, right? I mean, we talk about it. We they never got a chance to see that team, right? Like I mean, we never saw it because. Mm-hmm. Goran came in and Bosch went out and then they sort of tried it at the beginning of the next year. And it wasn't really perfect, but they never had a chance to sort it out and Bosch got sick and went out again. It
3: was funny so, to me that, that Riley, when he was giving that rant, almost, it was like verbatim and elf rant an elf from Miami heat beat. Who's given that rant a thousand times about yeah. we could have beaten Cleveland if Goran was, if, if Bosch oh, was they healthy. They believed
4: that. No, no, no. Chris, I covered that team. I was with that team yeah. every day. They believed that not only that, I don't know if it's true or not. Who knows? I mean, you know how I feel about LeBron. I always believe in LeBron unless he's being coached co- or on. managed by idiots. But but look, that look that team turned it around the second half. I will say this. That team was not real good with the core starting lineup. Bosh and Whiteside did not play great together. And the Bosh-Dragic uh, pick-and-pop pick and never really developed the way people expected it to. But people around that team... Uh, the players believed they could hang with Cleveland because they had some of the right pieces to affect LeBron and to affect Cleveland. Whether it would have worked, I don't know, but they were close. I mean, they got to a game seven against Toronto, but we never saw the thing without Bosch, but we never saw the thing in its entirety. So I understand this. So he goes through all that, but here's my kind of issue with this particular piece of it. So he talks about, it took us a couple of years to pay back our student debt or loans. Okay, from a draft pick perspective, yes, but the Bosch money, like they got that money back, right? So, like, I mean, the, I mean, he was taken off the
3: books, mm-hmm. and so they're, and their their picks that they owed were not from the Big Three era; they were owed from the Drogic trade, which they did they after were. LeBron left. Uh, right, they, right. The previous ones, right.
4: The the reason, see, Pat's got a bigger argument there for why the Big Three era fell apart than he does for what's happened now. That I, I think not having the draft picks played a role in the Big Three era falling apart because you and I have talked about this, they didn't develop anybody, but they also didn't have assets to be able to move mm-hmm. to go get another core piece. When Dwayne began to break down, like if they, if they had still had, you know, Pat would have traded them at the ones he could have the Steppian rule wouldn't have allowed him to trade all of them. But you know, that Pat would have moved picks to get another frontline player to play with his core three. He would have. Okay. Yeah. But, but he, but he didn't have any picks. And they weren't developing players because they didn't feel any of them would be up to speed. And so what did they do? Okay, we'll try Eddie Curry. We'll try Greg Oden. We'll try uh, Tony Douglas. We'll try Roger Mason. Like, I mean, they tried, you know, we'll go get Ronnie Tur- Turioff and Mike Bibby, okay, off the scrap. The only one that worked was Chris Anderson. Like, And yep. that's the one they were most hesitant about because they were worried about background. And, and they put in a ton of time on him. To make sure everything was okay. But like that they, they didn't have assets to move. So I think Pat has an argument about the big three. I think the league screwed the heat big time. I've always said that, okay. But in a lot of different ways. Okay. The luxury tax, the making it as punitive as they did. Okay. The way that sign and trains were changed after the fact, all of that stuff screwed the heat. But that's as far as I'll go with it, Chris. Like what's happening now is is a result of some bad luck, Bosch, obviously. OK, some other things that have broken wrong. OK, but also a lot of miscalculations. And, and I think when you talk to people inside the organization, they acknowledge that. OK, and I, I so I thought I, part of my issue with Pat's press conference was that it was just all over the place. Like it's like he wanted to send a message to certain people, I think. Um, and so it wasn't I'm used to him being much more, I don't know, focused in what his message is. And I'm looking at my tweets. So, this is one of the reasons I did it this way. Another reason is that I was lazy. But, <laughs> but, 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 and I just, but I'm looking at my tweets that I put up on fivereasonsports.com. And I have tweets like that are two tweets away from each other that are basically contradicting each other. Like, if you go through them, and I feel like that's what the press conference was about. So, like, okay, let's go through some of these. He says, even here, this quote. Pat Riley, there are a lot of different ways you can go in terms of rebuilding the team fast or having the patience to add into our young players. Okay, so he's basically talking about flexibility to sort of stay with the four core young players they have or add to it quickly, all right? Um, But, you know, I think the thing that, the, the biggest, the, the quote that I think speaks to what you're talking about, about how this gets fixed. I think this is how Riley thinks this gets fixed. I want to read this quote. Does Riley feel the heater position to acquire a star who says he wants to move? And this is the conversation we've had with Winhorse that I've had with GMs around the league, okay, and others that that I've had with agents that players still want to come to Miami. They still view this as a really good organization. It's still South Florida. It's still no state mm-hmm. tax. It's still a whole lot of things that players want to come to. And they can't as Winners has talked about right with on our pod, they can't because Pat's saying they can. Okay. Pat's questioning that because his quote was, it doesn't make any difference what we have the ability to do. We can want anything, but it doesn't make any difference. It's up to the player. It's up to them to, to choose where they want to go. Now, Jimmy Butler chose where he wanted to go. Right? Mm-hmm. He wanted to come here. Yeah. I I have that on Good Authority. I had it from the beginning. Sorry, Woj.
3: Okay. I knew this from the start. Mm-hmm. He wanted to be. I, I think he told Rachel Nichols the same thing. When, right. When, when, when after he the when fact. did that interview well, a-
4: yeah. a- after everybody banged on me for for being wrong about that. Whatever. Okay. It is what it is. <laughs> um, well, it's not really because I'm bringing it up several months <laughs> later. But it's not like I'm bitter. Hey. <laughs> uh, all right. But but whatever. Okay. He wanted to be here, but he he didn't have the it's not as simple as Pat saying it's up to the player because Jimmy wanted to be here, but Pat still had to deal with Tibbs and a dysfunctional organization. Now this summer, Jimmy may want to be here again. I think it's very possible that he wants to be here again. Okay. I don't have that on good authority or anything, but it wouldn't surprise me based on how much he wanted to be here the last time. Right. So, and if Philadelphia does get bounced in the second round, which is also very possible, if you look at the East, then, you know, and Jimmy's blamed for it in any way, He's probably not the type of guy who's going to take that well. It's probably going to look to get out of there, especially if they don't max him. So if he wants to come down here now, the heat has a little better opportunity because they don't have to make a trade for him. But what Pat is saying is if he says he wants to be here, that can happen. OK, now the question is, how does it happen? Right. Mm-hmm. And what the heat have kind of said again and having some conversations that I've had is that we've made things happen at the last second that nobody anticipated. You go back to, um, I, you know, there was that guard from Toronto. Uh, they traded Toronto, Marcus Banks, to make that deal work. Uh, what was it? The Shaq deal, right? Like, mm-hmm. then there was the uh, the, the 2000, uh, 2010, maybe it wasn't Shaq, but it was one of those deals. 2010. Yeah. Where they dumped? Remember, Mario was the only player on the roster. Right? And they, d- like they, they dumped they, Michael Beasley to
3: Minnesota. They dumped, I think. they dumped
4: the former number two overall pick in the draft mm-hmm. after two years. Right? Like yeah. they they found a taker. That could okay. that could have
3: been a D'Angelo Russell thing if if Beasley had uh, now if Beasley had his head on straight. Right? right exactly. Right. Yeah. It, it, exactly. And, and look, Cleveland. I mean, look what the Lakers did this
4: summer or two summers ago by dumping D'Angelo Russell. Like you said, that didn't work mm-hmm. out very well. Look at Cleveland which somehow got everybody – remember David Griffin um, got pay- people to take his players, right, yeah. at the last second to accommodate LeBron in 2014. So I think what the Heat are saying is don't – I think what, what Riley was trying to say to Ira, but I, I thought it got overly personal, honestly, and, mm-hmm. and I think kind of unfair to Ira on that, is, is I think what he was trying to say to Ira was, look, we've made shit happen before, okay? Mm-hmm. We can make it happen again. And I think – that if you were just to look at the 25-year track record of the Heat, you would say, yes, absolutely. They're really smart. They know how to make this stuff work. They always have something in their back pocket. They, they, they're, as they said, ahead of the curve, right? That's what Windhorse you know, said, ahead of the curve, right? They'll figure out a way to make this happen. I think the problem is, and the problem that fans have, and I polled this, and I would say about 55% of people were dissatisfied with Riley's press conference. I split it into four categories like, you know, confident, confused. I can't remember the four, but like 55% of people were just not having it, not buying it. And I think the problem is that in the last two to three years, whether it's just bad luck, whether it's miscalculations or whatever, they either have made the wrong move as it's turned out. Okay, like signing Dion Waiters to a four-year deal coming, you know, when he needed ankle surgery and, you know, had a propensity to get overweight. Okay, They've either made the wrong move or they haven't, as you said, haven't been able to make any move at all. And I think that second part Mm -hmm. is the more frustrating part, because the first part, you're going to make mistakes, right? You're going to make mistakes. You get in the room. You may not get the player. You make a trade. The player may not work out the way you expect. You may not adjust to your quote unquote culture. I understand that. But I think the problem, I think the thing that he fans are having is the issue is the inactivity. And the issue with the inactivity is that the heat, it appears, have, as I've said, tied their own hands behind their back. And and I think that's the frustration. And what they've been, you know, I've spoken to some people who've said, basically, it's not as bad as you think we can make something happen, but we just haven't seen it in a while. Right. right? The only things we've seen is them. They had too many players this year, too many of the same player, not exactly the same style, but same ability. And this has been I mean, these are not new themes, Chris. Like we've said this forever. Okay. It made Spolster's job impossible. You and I disagree a little bit about how responsible he is for it, but I think it put him in a terrible spot and I just don't think he made the best of it, but I don't know what he could have done. Okay. But to me, like that's every move they've made has been to sort of thin it out, right? Thin out the tax, thin out the cap, thin out the roster, the rotation options. And so Ellington, Tyler Johnson, not here anymore. Magruder, not here anymore. I did get some clarification about that, by the way. I think that's worth saying because we've talked about this. Um, they, they were prepared to keep Ronnie through the end of the season until they lost to minnesota and toronto back to back and then they had a decision to make by five o'clock and by then i think their odds of making the playoffs were like what well, you knew what they were like 12 mm-hmm. or something yeah. like that mm-hmm. so so they at that point it was okay let's just get under let's save the money but also let's not be in a repeater tax situation which can be punitive and again limit flexibility which they don't want to do also they have pushed back on me about the Kelly Olenek thing, um, because I have said repeatedly that it looked a little strange to me that in January, when Kelly is a really important player for you and makes things work, that he averaged 16 minutes a game instead of the 20-something he could have been averaging, and, you know, I think he should have been playing close to 30, and and additionally he had a couple of DNPs in there, both of which they lost, by the way. Um, now, I was told it wasn't really about that. That if they wanted to hold Kelly out, they would have done it for the whole season. They would not have simply kept him out for that period of time. They would have made sure that he, they were under. He ended up being over, but they didn't make the playoffs so the tax the trigger didn't hit. Anyway, but that's basically what I was told that they they essentially had too many bigs and they had Hassan playing better than they thought he was going to play and they wanted to get Bam minutes and then they had to kind of figure out what to do with James Johnson and then you know, Derek Jones Jr. played above what they anticipated. And so they had five players, even with Justice not playing four, they had five players basically for, what is that, uh, 96 minutes. Mm-hmm. So that's what was described to me. So, again, I like to clarify these things. The big picture point is your point. They haven't been able to do anything to make it better in a couple years.
3: And 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 that's that's where Heat fans are. We'll get back to today's episode in a second. But first, I want to tell you about one of our new sponsors here in the 5 Reasons Sports
4: for no additional charge so learn to make time for what makes you happy with better help visit betterhelp.com slash miami heat today to get 10 percent off your first month again that's com slash miami heat
0: after the end of a good fight you deserve an ice cold reward medela the mark of a fighter You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. And Medella is your reward. Ladella, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois.
1: Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich.
2: And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price.
1: Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.
3: in that is the attorneys at Seltzer Mayburg. Find them at onecalllegal.com. That's O-N-E-calllegal.com. Or actually call 855 855- 5,000 Law LAW. They handle cases including but not limited to car accidents, slip and falls, and any personal injury matters. Additionally, if you mention five reasons, they will handle your traffic ticket for forty-four ninety-nine, with a new 15,000-square-foot office opening on I-95 in North Miami, they will handle cases all over South Florida. Call now with 24-7 service for a free consultation. OneCallLegal.com or 855-5000-LAW. The attorneys at Seltzer Mayburg, a proud sponsor of the 5 Reasons Sports Network. And and it was my question, that that answer, uh, it it was basically, I I presented to Pat Riley the idea, and he even mentioned it in his kind of opening monologue, the idea of pre-agency, right? That there are players that are now deciding where they want to go, that are unrestricted free agents, even before they've hit unrestricted free agency, which is maximizing their leverage as being 18 months, 12 months, six months out from their expiring contracts. And we saw Anthony Davis try and get a move to Los Angeles. We saw Jimmy Butler trying to get a move to Miami. But to me, and the reason why I, I put it, I put the question to him is for the most part, those kinds of players are not going to decide to go and play in Detroit. They're going to decide to go and play in Los Angeles, New York, or Miami. I think Miami is third in that group of cities that players want to go to and, and are attractive. And so Are you going to be ready to strike if that happens? And that's where what you were talking about comes in, where, okay, so how are you going to do it? And really the way that you would, and the reason why Cleveland managed to do it is because they were willing to part with picks. They parted with picks so they can get off salaries and so they can make the trades that they needed to make in order to go and execute their plan to get to get LeBron James Kevin Love and get salary cap for LeBron James so that they can bring him in. And those made sense for them at the time. But if you're Miami and you can get Jimmy Butler, are you going to exhaust all of your capital, get rid of your young players and picks to get the player that doesn't really take you to that upper echelon of the Eastern Conference? No. And so that's the rock and the hard place that you're stuck between is that you have the ability, I mean, they had the ability, if they kept adding things into their trade with Jimmy Butler, they could have gotten him. Uh, j- just as if any superstar came available, like if they went to San Antonio and said, we'll give you everything for Kawhi Leonard, maybe they do that. I don't know if they do, but, um, but th- they have that opportunity at least. But the thing is, is that if you give up the essence of your team in order to get one of these players, what have you really achieved by acquiring them? And so that, that's when we talk about the position that you're in and, and preserving space and preserving room uh, for all of this, it's, and, and having good contracts and having the flexibility, it's so that when you do have that opportunity, you can strike without basically destroying your team, which is what you would have to do. And so that's my concern. My concern is not that, you know, that they could pull off a, that, that they could pull off a trade is that they'd have to give up everything. And what is the value in giving up everything for a superstar? So, and, and that's, and I, I, I get, having that ultimate confidence and having that confidence in that this is what we've done previously, really their only thing that they've really done that was a real plan was the big three, right? They cleared out their cap sheet. They were only going to have expiring contracts that in 2010, they could be in position to do this. And everything else, the Hardaway trade, the Alonzo Morning trade, the Shaq trade, hell, even picking Dwayne Wade in the draft has kind of come about from, oh, there's an opportunity. Let's try and take advantage of it. And, and I get that. But at the same time, they're not in a good position, even if this opportunity comes to add a player and then build a quality team around him. And so those are the. Th- that's the decision you have to make. It's a decision that they did make with Goran Dragic, and we see how it's worked out. Because if you don't get a player, which I don't think Goran Dragic is, that's top two best on a championship team, and you're giving up two first round picks, you haven't done anything. You haven't really improved your team. So uh, again, my my position and, and the way that I position the question uh, was: c- Can you strike in a way in which? You feel comfortable with it, and clearly, based off the fact they didn't, that they didn't get Jimmy Butler, they're not because they could have kept they could have kept adding to that trade and they would have gotten it done. But uh, they drew a line in the sand, and also they kind of decided that it wasn't going to be it wasn't going to be enough to improve them in the long term.
4: Well, and I'm glad they drew the line in the sand because I I think that if you were to give up two of their, your three kids for Jimmy Butler, I think you're making a mistake uh, because I I just don't I don't view him uh, as that guy, particularly at that money late in his career. But Riley came out and said look, he said every great team needs two transcendent superstars. And he basically said, you either grow them or you steal them. Mm -hmm. Now the heat have only grown one. (laughs) Yeah. As he said, like, I I thought that was a little odd too. And I understand the desire to pay respect to Dwayne. And I liked a lot of what Pat said, because he basically confirmed everything I've been saying on the pod for the last three months. Dwayne Wade was a squirrel this year. Dwayne Wade made everybody forget about their problems. Mm -hmm. Legacy. Right. Uh, You know, one last dance. It was beautiful. I, I'm the biggest Dwayne Homer in the world. Okay. And it was great. And the last two nights were incredible. And, and look, a lot of heat fans are fine with them not making the playoffs to have those last two nights. Like they're okay with it. Like, and and the golden state game, those three. Okay. (laughs) The rest of this shit doesn't matter to them. Right. They got to see Dwayne uh, be Dwayne. Okay. Three times. So last minute shot. Okay. Incredible performance at home. And then closing it with a flourish in his first triple double since 2011. Who cares about anything else? I think 75% of Heat fans feel that way, honestly. Okay, it's about Dwayne. It was about Dwayne. It was about the way he went out. So I understand Pat getting caught up in that. And I think it's great considering, you know, the way that they drove him out, okay, in 2016, that they've been able to embrace this and it went out the right way and that Bosch came back and everything that, that happens. Terrific. I'm not taking anything away from it. But he was a squirrel. He was a squirrel. And now it's, and even Pat said that he said, now we got to evaluate. Okay. Now that's over. And now we got to figure out where we are. And, but he also said that he's, he's had one, he's drafted one all of the time player in 25 years. He said that I didn't say that. He said that right. All the time. Some of the time, none of the time. Okay. So I think that, Also, and I don't want to keep cycling back here too much, but I think that also plays into kind of what happened with that 30 and 11 team. He thought he had a bunch of all the time players. Mm -hmm. He thought that the way that those guys competed in the second half of that season to fight for their reputations. okay, because that's what a lot of that was about. They started poorly. A lot of them were on the last year of their deal. Okay, I thought Tyler Johnson's quote earlier this year was a little odd because he said some of us got some guys got paid and they didn't really, mm-hmm. you know, they didn't have the same hunger. But a lot of those guys, I mean, he got paid in '16, right? Like he got paid before that season, right?
3: But you know, other guys didn't. Okay, I like even, didn't. and even and and Ira, who obviously we've talked about some, but he, I, I was on radio with him once and he was saying, "Well, hang on a second, because because the players are basically giving quotes. Oh, we have to do better against these teams that we should beat." And basically the all of the time thing is you never think that you should beat anyone because right. they don't have the talent to beat to to think that they should beat anyone and that's uh, that's the thing that that I've said all the time is that generally when you when we're talking about home record in in Mm -hmm. in games against poor teams it's that you have the talented player that overcomes the listless performance but the listless performance is coming from a starting place of we think we're better than x team when really they're in no position to think that they're better in next team and the whole point and their success was they didn't think they were better than anyone and so they just tried harder than everyone
4: right and that's what my theory about the home losses to the bad teams is that that they there's certain arrogance that developed in this team but I don't really know where it came from right Mm -hmm. (laughs) because uh, you know and maybe it did come from, from 30 and 11. I'm not mm-hmm. sure, but I think Pat thought he had more all of the time players and he didn't. Now, who is he talking about? Well, look, clearly Dion's one. I mean, yeah. you know, I mean, I mean, because I mean for Spolstra, for Pat, look, Pat, as, as Pat even made the Hardaway comparison that I made on the pod, right? Like he used to, he used to give Tim a hard time. We talked to Tim about it, about his weight but Tim was a multiple-time all-star and should be in the Hall of Fame. Like, this is Dion. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah. uh, okay, like, Pat would get on Tim, and he actually said, and then that's when it went into that weird Sarah Sanders riff, but, like, he said something to the effect of, you know, about Hardaway, you know, he's like, I, I, you know, I'm not going to give Dion the same name I gave it to Tim. I can't remember what that name was. I should, okay? But it wasn't complimentary. And, again, this was Tim Hardaway, okay? All-star point guard who had battled back from a serious knee injury that completely changed the way that he played. He went from a, a dynamic, you know, break player to essentially a half court pounder with a knuckleball jumper. Completely changed his game and was still an all-star. Okay. And Pat banged on him. Him. All right. So for him to get on Dion is not a surprise. Okay. For Spo to do it, I was blown away. Yeah. Of the of anything that happened at the two press conferences. Eric Spolstra does not do that publicly okay I would say I that's happened uh, I could count it on one hand I can count on one finger i can 't remember that ever happening before chris mm-hmm. I, can't, I i don 't i cannot he now i 'm not going to say he doesn 't do some of it behind the scenes okay and some and he 's taken a couple digs at hassan uh, publicly no a but, couple. but no but he' he'll,
3: he'll occasionally do the thing where it 's you know he 's got to improve and and you know we 've got to improve and like he'll'll he'll, 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 he'll no weave, no I, weave. I understand no but he 'll say that he has to improve that or he 's got to get better um but th- that was like basically a hard call out of. He's got to work, right? Like that—that's how. I've it, never it, heard it, it. I've never right, heard it, it before. Right. In, never, that, in those terms, I've never heard
4: it before. Look, he—he's always the king of, uh, you know, and again, it's an effective strategy. Okay, most players players appreciate it, but it's the call out collectively, praise individually. Okay, mm-hmm. that—that's always been his approach. He praises individually and he calls out collectively. OK, we need to do. I don't want to make it about one guy. He he'll says that all the time. He made it about one guy like and then came out and said, Pat, and I, said three times. I went back on my tape three times. Pat and I are on the same page about this, which so that was OK. We're not messing around here anymore. All right. You got the money, get yourself in shape. And obviously look, they need him more now one way or the other, easier as a trade shipper as a player because they started the season with six, two guards and now they have two. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, right. I mean, it's him and Josh Richardson. That's it. That's all that's left. So I, I-, I thought that was fascinating to me, but uh, again, getting back to your point here, we're kind of all, is all over the place as Pat was, um, but uh, there, <laughs> there, but there, there is so much to cover here, but, they clearly believe that another opportunity will arise because it always has. And they clearly believe that once that opportunity arises, that they will be able to move pieces around uh, to make it happen. And that they really haven't committed to which way that'll go. Does it mean that you give up their young players? I can tell you, I've talked to four or five people inside the organization and I've just listened to Riley and Spolster. They love Bam Adebayo, love Mm -hmm. him. Yeah. Okay. What he's gonna be, I don't know, but I would be stunned if they move him. And if I was another team, that's the piece I ask
3: for. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, but okay, so but, no, but I, I got it like after last year's playoffs that Jason Tatum, who was a huge part in Boston getting to the conference finals, was kind of off the table for Boston, right? because it, it you know was a huge part, a creative piece in them getting to the conference finals is bam that kind of untouchable for you or like if bam could if bam was the centerpiece that can get you i don't want to say anthony davis cuz i mean that that's a lofty standard but Let's say Anthony Davis. If Bam is the difference in you getting Anthony Davis and not, I, I'm saying yes every time. I mean, there's just a group of players that, by, by virtue of what they do, nothing against Bam, but just by virtue of what they do, particularly perimeter scoring, particular perimeter playmaking, that are just more valuable skill sets. So, I mean, if Bam, who for me can be, you know, Clint Capella, who can dribble, you know, which is, which is a lot, but um, I I, I, don't, I just again don't think you're you're ever really making him an offensive centerpiece. If you can get an offensive centerpiece type player, I, th- I think you do that while, while also maintaining your self-respect and your self-preservation of that asset as being excellent. He's an excellent prospect and is already delivering on some of that promise.
2: You're listening to the 5 Reason Sports Network. We've created a menu of intelligent and entertaining content on demand for commutes, workouts, and more. And by now, you're already familiar with the 15 different podcasts in our network. Today we are proud to announce the premiere of our brand new website, 5ReasonsSports.com. On it, you'll find columns from more than a dozen of our hosts, many who are professional writers in the market. Watch original videos from shows like Miami Heat Beat and Cast. Browse our full merchandise shop. And unlike other outlets in the area, there's no paywall. Everything is absolutely free. All of this from a network that's credentialed from all five major sports teams in South Florida. Oh yeah, did we mention that it's free? We're By Miami for Miami. We're sports on your schedule. We're Miami Sports On Demand. We're the 5 Reasons Sports Network. Go to FiveReasonSports.com today.
4: Yes. Well, do you see Eric? Eric called him one of the five best centers in the league once he was starting. Like I, I'm just, I'm just. I, look, Anthony Davis is a different. <laughs> I don't know pre- if I can go with that, like, you, I, but you put it well. I think he's looking at metrics, and the metrics were excellent. They were. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, we've discussed this, but Anthony Davis. I mean, okay, he's a top ten player in the league, and mm-hmm. I'm being conservative. Okay. Yeah, it's probably top um, seven. Right. So uh, yeah, I mean, you you do it, right? <laughs> yeah. You do it. You don't ask questions. You do it. But but I think. Look, for Jimmy Butler, you know, if if it requires them Mm -hmm. move and I don't know why they'd have to move Bam because this contract is not, you know, one of the the issues, but maybe 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 to get off of Hassan's money, maybe to get off James Johnson's money, Deion Waiter's money, maybe a team requires you to do that, but but you know you're getting Jimmy Butler, I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't do it. I I don't because and I I subscribe to your theory on this. Like if if Jimmy Butler and and Riley's theory, you need two transcendent players. Mm -hmm. Now, unless he knows he's getting Kyrie somehow, and I don't know how that happens along with Butler, then what, where does Jimmy Butler get you? Like that's, that was my issue with it from the beginning of the year. I wanted it to happen because we're a young, starving sports network. And I, (laughs) (laughs) and and, and I wanted something to change on that team. And, but as far as a value proposition, Jimmy Butler at $45 million at age 33 Mm -hmm. with that attitude. And I know some people like the attitude because they say he's, you know, he's an alpha. Okay. Um, but w- is that something you want? I no. don't know. I mean, no, I mean, I don't, I, I mean, Bradley Beal, Bradley Beal with he, that contract, uh, with his attitude.
3: I disagree with you. I think Beal's that, I think Beal's a player. He might be the line and he's playing on a terrible team, but he still plays well. Like, no, that's not, what I'm saying. He's not a looter in a riot. I'm, like he's a really good player.
4: No, no, no. I'm saying Bradley Beal, I, is a different conversation for me sure. than Jimmy Butler. I I, I mean, he, no, he's fair. younger. Uh, He's got a better attitude than Jimmy Butler does, I think. He hasn't played for uh, Tibbs twice. He, has, he hasn't He has played for <laughs> Tibbs. He has a growing skill set. I think Jimmy, look, uh, Jimmy, to me, I'd rather, and I know, I, you know I'm contradicting by the fact that now I'm, I'm so pleased that Justice is shooting 38% from three the last two years, but I would rather start with a three-point shot and develop the other parts of the game, which mm-hmm. is the direction that Beal has gone, than to do what Jimmy Butler's done, which is he has the other parts of his game but he's never going to be a good three point shooter. Like uh, we've just seen it. He's not, he's what what is he? he's 33, 34% Mm -hmm. usually on, on sometimes a lot lower on high volume. Like I, I don't, I'm not, I I understand. Look to me, if Jimmy Butler is your second or third best player and there's another alpha on the team with him, then yes. But to have him as your guy, I was never totally into that. Now did I overestimate Josh Richardson a little bit, maybe, um, you know, I, I've always felt Josh's best role as third best player on a good team. Uh, they tried to make him more this year. I think they've learned from that. I, I don't think that's going to be the focus next season. But I, I just don't I don't know that that dumping Bam somewhere else so that you can clear space for Jimmy Butler is the direction that you want to go. And so all of these issues. And, and again, I'm looking at the quote here. And when he snapped it at Barry, OK, you know, don't use the word obstacles around me. Like you're right, they can make things happen, but there's costs to all yeah. of it. Like, like there's there's just nothing easy. Like it's different than like 2010, where like you said they planned for it for years and they were positioned for it. And so, what was the cost? Okay, we're gonna officially give up on Michael Beasley. Like literally, that was the cost. It was, mm-hmm. but we're getting LeBron James. It'll be okay. Like I, like that's that was the cost. And and yes, there was the risk that Michael was going to figure things out, but they knew him well enough to know kind of what he was going to be and it's pretty much what he's been, which is a journeyman guy who can get you 20 on a given night but isn't going to make your team better. Okay? Like they knew that. Like they, they they understood it. There's a reason certain people are probably not in the organization anymore, okay? Because of that draft pick. It, that, that is what it is. But in this case, it's like everything you do, like you said, because they've they've made it hard on themselves it's like if they're going to move somebody it can be done but there's going to be 50 percent of heat fans that are like and that's where Mm -hmm. we were with the jimmy butler thing like there was no consensus on that from their fans yeah at all it it was do you want to give up josh do you want to give up justice would you give up bam is throwing in olenic too much oh they're not going to take Whiteside or waiters okay i don't want to do it do you give up the first round pick like all of this is cost and and the heat because they have natural advantages smart front office, good coach, great history, great weather, no state tax, everything that comes with Miami, because they have all of those things, the mm-hmm. Heat should be at a natural advantage if they just but, don't get in their own
3: okay, way. I, I, I want I, I to talk about this because um, I, I brought up a point on, on radio uh, last week um, because I think a lot of people are having a go at the Lakers right now for having Lakers exceptionalism, uh, where they're basically obsessed with themselves uh, and the idea of themselves, and they basically can't get out of their own way. Um, and so when they have uh, something of a crisis, uh, you know, in the post-Kobe era, they, they blow everyone out, there's a family feud over who takes over the organization, Jeannie takes over, and has the opportunity to, after firing Mitch Kupchak and getting rid of the coach, um, have a full blank slate and start a whole new organization. And really the Lakers by virtue of what they are as an organization, winning double digit titles uh, should be able to get whoever they want to be their front office executive, to be their coach. They should go after Masai Ujiri or go after one of these other top front office people, uh, so they should go out and do that, and then they basically go and hire Magic Johnson, one of their franchise's best-ever player, if not the best, um, and uh, and and Rob Polinka the agent of Kobe Bryant. Of, of all the choices that are available, and their coach is a former player, and they basically act uh, as if the Lakers will fix it because they're the Lakers. And they got LeBron because they're the Lakers. Um, And as much as, obviously, the Heat uh, are not nearly the clown show and obviously are very well run. And you mentioned all those other things of having a great front office and a great coach. But at the same time, there is a little bit of an an exceptionalism in the fan base and in the organization that because we're in Miami, because we're the Heat, because we've done this before, it'll get fixed. And I wonder if when when Pat Riley says there are no obstacles when he says that you know we're we're near the launching pad, there's no evidence to support those thes- those theories right and so why would you believe that other than i'm Pat Riley, I've done it again and again, this is the heat we've done it again and again, and, and I'm a bit concerned that the the thing with the culture and the thing with you know bringing back Deonna and J- and James Johnson because they bought into the culture that there's this exceptionalism that because we're the heat and we do things the right way that we're going to figure this out. And I think what we've talked about a lot are some bad processes in, in, in figuring out what they're going to do going forward. And so uh, I'll, I'll just put that to you and say, do you think that the heat maybe have an exceptionalism problem?
4: Well, yeah. Well, I think the culture thing was a lot of that. But but I don't I don't look at it as an exceptionalism problem. Um as much as it, it kind of ch- turned into insecurity. Hmm. Like, like, I, like we exceptionalism implies arrogance, and I think obviously th- there's some of that. And I think some, and it's earned, right? It's earned. I mean, sure. they, they missed the playoffs for the fifth time since Riley got here in 1995. Like, it, it's earned. But I think it was insecurity. Like, even with Pat saying, I didn't want to miss out on all of them like I like right like his whole thing about you know the James Johnson and Dion things like I you know I didn't want to you know lose out on these players and not have a team like I I have said this before and I'll stick to this and and there's really nothing you know anybody in the organization can convince me otherwise on this because I, I I sort of know how a lot of these negotiations have played out like I I think that you know he was personally stung by what happened with LeBron I mean I can speak to that I I did a long piece, you know, long interview in his office about it. And he Wasn't won't happen with Dwayne. Right. Well, we'll happen Dwayne, but it started with LeBron. So it starts with LeBron. Like, he didn't. Why would LeBron leave here? Like, that was their whole attitude. That was his whole attitude. Why would he leave? We've given him the culture. We've given him, you know, we've not given him the championships, we've provided a platform for him to convert his greatness into championships. Right. Which I think they did. Like I, it was ultimately LeBron. Okay. But they created uh, conditions that allowed him to do something he hadn't done in seven years in Cleveland. And he would have done it three times here, probably if he hadn't frozen up in the 2011 finals. Now LeBron likes to conveniently say, now he said it again, he said it again in Brooklyn. Um, you know, at Dwayne's event, like, well, if we hadn't lost in 2011, then 2012 and 2013 don't happen. I don't, I don't believe that. Like, I know he believes that. Like, 2000 or you know, m- my failure in 2011 made me into what I was, made our team. But I just think, I think that team would have figured it out eventually. If they won in 2011, they would have won in 2012. Anyway, mm-hmm. it is what it is. But I, I think in my conversation with Pat that day after LeBron left, I went in there with the intention. I even told the um. You know, PR guy, Tim Donovan, like, I OK, I'll stay away from the LeBron stuff like that was my intention. I came in with like a list. I had like a little booklet of questions I wanted to ask Pat. Like mm-hmm. it was for and I was going to stay away from LeBron and he brought it up. OK, he yep. I, I, I have the whole interview still on tape. He brought it up and and he was very clear about how hurt he was. And this was a generational team. And we broke the link in the chain and all that stuff was terrific stuff. It was a very thoughtful interview as as all interviews with him are and and so it was uh you know he was stung by that and then after that you know the duane thing okay and and people forget now what happened in the summer of 2015 it wasn't like everybody just remembers him leaving in 16 but 15 was a near crisis like i wrote a ton of columns about that like Dwayne wasn't happy they didn't want to pay him they didn't want to give him long-term money uh pat and henry you know you know, rest in peace. We're not communicating all that well. Dwayne wasn't happy at all. And, you know, basically that was a meeting that the Arisons had with Dwayne directly that got the one year, $20 million deal. It was like, let's just roll it over. Let's just roll it over. We'll deal with this next year. Okay. $20 million. You cool. We're cool. Okay, let's go. And then 2016, which as we know was a catastrophe. I mean, just a public relations nightmare. Like you, I mean, think of all the things that Pat said about Dwayne at that press conference and has said for the past few months, right? in various interviews, like, you know, one I've, I've drafted one all of the time player. I, you know, this is the guy who did it
3: right. This is the example he set for our young players.
4: You let that guy walk in 2016 mm-hmm. and,
2: f- and over felt, a couple and million felt, dollars and
3: felt disrespected on the way out. And, and that, and that's right. that hurts the most.
4: Right. And so, okay. So you have those things. Then you have the one situation I have not blamed them for ever because I think they did the right thing. But Chris Bosch, one of the most popular players in the organization, not happy on the way out. Okay. At all, I mean, that was contentious for months and it was getting worse and worse. And I remember another one, uh, you know, Pat had a little sit down with some of the, the beat guys like five of us in his office to talk about the Chris Bosch situation right on on media day. OK, or maybe it was the day yeah, it was media day. Actually, it was supposed to be a day earlier, but then Jose Fernandez died. And mm-hmm. so they moved it. And Pat did it that morning. And I still have that tape. I listened to it the other day because I was just curious. I was refreshing my memory. And, and it was like, you know, it was, it, there was a lot of frustration there. So you had. The, the core guys from that team that Pat loved that he thought was going to be a 10-year team, maybe not win 10 titles, but was going to be a San Antonio-like team, right? Like in it every single year. And those guys all left unhappy with the organization, not buying into sort of the, the I don't call it the myth of Riley because I think a lot of it is real, but sort of the aura of Riley, Okay not buying into it, okay? Sharing that with other players around the league, which I know was happening. And then additionally all of the, you know, the the supporting players on that team, you know, having, you know, issues on the way out the door. Rio was pissed, okay? Shane was unhappy as last year. James Jones was unhappy with playing time. Miller got amnesty. Uh, you know, Chris Anderson was waiting around to get dumped for tax reasons. Like none of them were none of them were happy on the way out the door, okay? I mean, Norris got sent off. I mean, the, the whole damn team ray allen was pissed the whole fourth season of the big three trust me okay i heard about it every day all right so you had all of that and so i think he was personally stung no it's okay so three and we'll wrap soon because um uh, there's a couple of rapid fire things i want to get to for game of thrones so anyway three two one so i think he was personally stung and so then so i think there was some insecurity that enters in you know you don't get durant you don't get hayward You've got a bunch of guys who are saying culture all the time. Let's wrap them up. Let's keep them. They buy in. And I think to a large degree, Chris, I think that's what happened. Um, You know, maybe not for everybody in the front office, but I think motivationally what sort of led them to that place. So, but he doesn't want to quit, man. And I'm not advising that he should quit. I don't think he should be retired early. I think he should fight this till his last day on the job because, you know, look, if anybody's going to get them out of this mess, It's probably him, (laughs) okay. So I I don't, you know, and he he deserves the right to do it. But I have used the hashtag. One last chance. One last dance, as Pat said, is over. And now it's one last chance. He's got one last chance to figure this out. It may not be one last offseason, but it's a 2 off season deal here where they need to figure it out and get this on the right track. And, and so he can leave this organization in the place it should be. All right, so we're going to end it there. We'll probably hit more of this later in the week. There's some other issues we want to get into. We're supposed to talk to Mark Stein, too, from The New York Times, which should be a lot of fun. Obviously, check out Five Reasons sports.com. We've got all the details on the Riley Presser, but also some of our guys from Miami Heatbeat will be writing columns about it. They have their own thoughts. The thing about Riley Pressers is they give you material for the next three months. So if Pat wants to do another one in, in a week, we would certainly take that. But obviously check out all the other podcasts in our network. And I think when we, we hit this stuff later in the week, we'll get through some of the specific things about other players that Pat said and kind of see where this will go. Talk to you soon.
2: Thank you for listening to the Fire in the Pocket. Thank you so
1: much. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every
2: time. And if you love the fillet of fish, right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price.
1: Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.
2: What if you could have a career
1: where the opportunities are as vast as our nation? Where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission. At US Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground.